Chapter Seventeen of Loafing Along Death Valley Trails by William Carruthers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen Shorty Frank Harris. No history of Death Valley has been written in this century without mention of the short man, Frank Shorty Harris, and none can be. Previous pages have given most of his story after his death at least two hurried writers who never saw him have stated that shorty discovered no mines knew little of the country from a page of notes made before i had ever met him i find this record stopped at independence to see george naylor early inyo county sheriff and now its treasurer we talked of early prospectors naylor said i have known all of the old-time borough men and have the records shorty harris has put more towns on the map and more taxable property on the assessor's books than any of them i first met shorty at shoshone entering the store one day charles brown told me there was a fellow outside i ought to know and in a moment i was looking into keen steady eyes blue as water in a canyon pool and in another shorty harris was telling me how to sneak up on ten million dollars thus began an acquaintance which was to lead me through many years from one end of death valley to the other with shorty mentor friend and guide of course i had heard of him who hadn't in the gold country of western deserts one could find a few who had never heard of cecil rhodes or john hayes hammond but none who had not heard of shorty harris wherever mining men gathered the mention of his name evoked the familiar oh, that reminds me and the air thickened with history laughter and lies he was five feet tall quick of motion hands and feet small skin soft and surprisingly fair muscles hard as bull quartz with a mask of ignorance he concealed a fine intelligence reserved for intimate friends in moments of repose it is regrettable that since shorty's death writers who never saw him have given pictures of him which by no stretch of the imagination can be recognized by those who had even a slight acquaintance with him authors of books properly examine the material of those who have written other books in the case of shorty this was eagerly done so eagerly in fact that each portrayal is the original picture altered according to the ability of the one who tailors the tale all are interesting but few have any relation to truth shorty harris was so widely publicized by writers in the early part of the century that when the radio was invented he was a natural for playlets and columnists it was natural also that the iconoclast appear to set the world right he employed shorty to guide him through death valley i want to write a book he explained and i have only three weeks to gather material the trip ended sooner what happened i asked shorty when i read the book and was startled to see in it a statement that shorty became lost had never found a mine and never even looked for one did he say that shorty laughed and more of the same i said well let's let it go for what it's worth he bellyache from the minute we set out those who knew shorty best dad fairbanks charles brown bob montgomery george naylor h w eichbaum and the old-timers on the trails had entirely different impressions there was however around the bar-rooms of Beatty and other border villages a breed of late-comers professional old-timers always waiting and often succeeding in exchanging history for free drinks though they may have never known shorty in person they were not lacking in yarns about him and rarely failed to get an audience 
there were also among shorty's friends a few who had another attitude what has he ever done that i haven't the answer being that nothing had been written about them with variations the original pattern became the pattern for the succeeding writer in the interest of accuracy it is not amiss to say that shorty harris was not buried standing up the writer saw him buried it is not true that he ever protested the removal of the road from the site of the place where he wished to be buried because he never knew that he would be buried there nor did he have the remotest idea that a monument would be erected to him because the idea of the monument was born after his death as related elsewhere he did not leave harrisburg on july four nineteen o five to get drunk at ballarat instead he went to rhyolite to find wild bill corcoran his grub-staker he did enjoy the yarns attributed to him and their publication in important periodicals but he was also painfully shy and ill at ease away from his home even at the annual death valley picnics held at wilmington near los angeles he could never be persuaded to face the crowds one cannot laugh aside the part he played nor the monument that honors one of god's humblest his strike at rhyolite brought two railroads across the desert gave profitable employment to thousands of men added extra shifts in steel mills and factories making heavy machinery and those of tool makers the building trades felt it banks security exchanges and scores of other industries over the nation all because shorty harris went up a canyon and it is not amiss to ask if these historians did their jobs as well at my home it was difficult to get shorty to accept invitations to dinners to which he was often invited by service clubs but in the ballarat cabin he was as sure of himself as the mcgregor with a foot upon his native heath and an eye on ben lomond his passion for prospecting was fanatical i asked him once if he would choose prospecting as a career if he had his life to live over i wouldn't change places with the president of the united states my only regret is that i didn't start sooner when i go out every time my foot touches the ground i think before the sun goes down i'll be worth ten million dollars but you don't get it i reminded him he stared at me with a sort of you're too dumb look who in the hell wants ten million dollars it's the game man the game nor is the picture of his profligacy altogether true despite shorty's disregard for money he had a canniness that made him cash something against the rainy day at lone pine charlie brown was packing shorty's suitcase before taking him to a doctor shorty what's this lump in the lining of your vest oh there was a hole in it poor job of mending i guess shorty answered guilelessly i'll see charlie said and ripping a few stitches removed six hundred dollars in currency shorty's last years furnish a story of a man too tough to die he had had three major operations when in nineteen thirty three i received the following telegram wall fell on me hurry bring doctor shorty harris it had been sent by fred gray from trona twenty-seven miles from ballarat nearest telegraph station my wife and i hurried through rain snow sleet over washed-out desert and mountain roads outside the cabin in the dusk shivering in a cold wind we found two or three of shorty's friends and charles and mrs brown who had also made a mad dash of a hundred and fifty miles over roads some of which hadn't been travelled in thirty years puttering around his cabin shorty had jerked at a wire anchored in the walls and brought tons of adobe down upon himself 
he was literally dug out his ribs crushed face black with abrasions with rapidly developing pneumonia he had lain for sixty hours without medical attention and with nothing to relieve pain we learned later from dr walter johnson who had preceded us that if a hospital had been within a block it would have been fatal to move him all agreed that death sat at shorty's bedside a cat has only nine lives fred gray said gravely and outside in the gathering gloom we planned his funeral because of the isolation of ballarat and lack of communication we arranged that when the end came fred gray would notify brown and bring the body down into death valley for burial there we would meet the hearse because bodies decompose quickly in that climate time was important when we planned these details my wife who had been at shorty's bedside joined us shorty's not going to die she said he's planning that trip up signal mountain you and he have been talking about i tiptoed into the room he was staring at the ceiling seeing faraway canyons the yellow fleck in a broken rock suddenly he spoke i'm losing a thousand dollars a day lying here why that ledge a week after returning to our home we received another telegram from trona asking that we come for him he had insisted upon being laid in the bed of a pickup truck and taken across the slate range to trona where we met him at our home he lay on his back for weeks fed with a spoon always talking of putting another town on the map always losing a million dollars a day he was miraculously but slowly recovering when an associated press dispatch bearing a lone pine date made front page headlines with an announcement of his death though the report was quickly corrected his presence at our house brought reporters photographers old friends and the merely curious at the time the pacific coast borax company's nbc program was featuring stories based on his experiences over a nationwide hookup among the callers also were moguls of mining and tycoons of industry who had stopped at the ballarat cabin to fall under the spell of his ever-ready yarns among these guests one stands out it was a hot summer day when i saw on the lawn what appeared to be a big bear because the squat bulky figure was enclosed in fur answering the doorbell i looked into twinkling eyes and an ingratiating smile they told me in ballarat that shorty harris was here i invited him in i'll just shed this coat he said stripping off the bearskin garment sort of heavy for a man going on eighty he laid it aside it's double lined fur inside and out you see i sleep in it crossed three mountain ranges in that coat before i got here may as well take this other one off too he removed another heavy overcoat revealing a cord around his waist keep this one tied close less bulky under a shorter coat was a heavy woolen shirt and his overalls concealed two pairs of pants he went on i was with shorty at leadville my name's pete harman we ought to be rich both of us why i sold a hole for twenty five hundred dollars in eighteen seventy eight thought i was smart they's got over a hundred million dollars out of that hole i was at bridgeport when i heard shorty was sick so i says i'll just step down to ballarat and see him the step was two hundred and ninety eight miles when i got there bob warnick tells me he's in los angeles when i get there they tell me he's with you so i just stepped out here he had stepped four hundred and eighty one miles to see his friend i ushered him in and left them alone 
after an hour i noticed pete outside smoking i went out and urged him to return and smoke inside but he refused it's not manners he insisted later i happened to look out the window and saw him empty the contents of a small canvas sack into his hand there were a few dimes and nickels and two bills he unfolded the currency one was a twenty the other a one he put the coins in the sack and came inside a few moments later from an adjacent room i heard his soft lowered voice shorty i'm eatin regular now and got a little besides i reckon you're kind of shy you take this no no pete i'm getting along fine i fancy there was a scurry among the angels to make that credit for pete Harmon. late in the afternoon pete donned his coats i'd better be going i've got a lot of things on hand a claim in the argus when the money comes in well i always said i was going to build a scenic railroad right on the crest of panamint range best view of death valley it'll pay how far is it to san diego well a hundred and forty miles well since i'm this far along i'll just step down and see my old partner take care shorty and down the road he went with humility i watched his passage hoping that the good god would go with him and somehow i felt that of all those with fame and wealth or a high degree who had gone from that house none had left so much in my heart as pete during this period of convalescence shorty was often guest in homes of luxury and when at last i took him to ballarat i was curious to see what his reaction would be to the squalor of the crumbling cabin when we stepped from the car he noticed camel the blind burro drowsing in the shade of a roofless dobe old fella he said it's damn good to see you again i unloaded the car brought water from the well and sat down to rest shorty sat in a rickety rocker braced with bailing wire i regarded with amusement the old underwear which he'd stuffed into broken panes the bare splintered floor the cracked iron stove that served both for cooking and heating the wood box beside it the tin washpan on a bench at the door then i noticed shorty was also appraising the things about the hole in the roof the box nailed to the wall that served as a cupboard a half-burned candle by his sagging bed for a long time he glanced affectionately from one familiar object to another and finally spoke will haven't i got a damn fine home for ages poets have sung orators have lauded but so far as i'm concerned shorty said it better the last orders from the surgeon had been complete rest for three months in the late afternoon we moved our chairs outside the sun still shone in the canyons, and after he had seen that all his peaks were in place, he turned to me. I'm losing five million dollars a day sitting here. Soon as you're rested, we'll start. You'll be in shape by day after tomorrow, won't you? I restrained a gasp as he pointed to the side of a gorge eight thousand feet up on Signal Mountain. No trip at all. No argument could convince him that the trip was foolhardy, and on the third day we started through Hall's Canyon opposite the Indian Ranch. The ascent from the canyon is so steep that in many places we had to crawl on hands and knees. The three and a half miles were made in seven hours, but on the return the inevitable happened. Shorty, exhausted, staggered from the trail and collapsed. When he rose, he wobbled, but managed to reach a bush and rolled under it i ran to his side it seemed the end you you go ahead he said weakly i'm through i had given him all my water and exacting a promise that he would remain under the bush i started for help at the indian ranch to bring him out
coming up i had paid no attention to the trail and was uncertain of my way which was further confused by crisscross trails of wild burros and mountain sheep coming to a canyon that forked i was not sure which to take and panicked with fear took a sudden uncalculated choice and started up a trail the desert gods must have guided my feet for it proved to be the right one and an hour later i came upon the green seepage of water i dug a hole let the scum run off then drank slowly and lay down to rest in my last conscious moment a huge rattler passed within a few inches of my face but rattlers were unimportant then and i went to sleep the swish of brush woke me and i saw shorty staggering down the trail he fell beside the water and was instantly asleep time i knew was the measure of life and i allowed him twenty minutes to rest then awoke him and made him go in front on a ledge he slumped again his body hanging over the cliff with a thousand foot fall to rocks below i managed to catch him by the seat of his trousers as he began to slip and i dragged him back on the trail somehow i got him to the bottom there the canyon widens upon a level area covered with dense growth walking ahead i suddenly missed him he had crawled from the trail and it required an hour to find him and this i did by the noise of his rattly breathing i half carried half dragged him to the car and lifted him in he was asleep before i could close the door and remained unconscious for the entire eleven miles of corduroy road to ballarat there fred gray and bob warnick lifted him from the car and laid him on his bed none of us believed that shorty harris would ever leave that bed alive the next morning i tiptoed softly out of the room went over to the old saloon and had breakfast with tom the caretaker afterward we sat outside smoking and talking of hungry hattie's feuding and her sister's mining deals when we heard steady thumping sounds coming from shorty's place we looked bareheaded shorty harris was chopping wood shorty was born near providence rhode island july second eighteen fifty six he had only a hazy memory of his parents his father a shoemaker died impoverished when shorty was six years old i went to live with my aunt if she couldn't catch me doing something she figured i'd outsmarted her and beat me up on general principles at nine he ran away and obtained work at the textile mills of governor william sprague dipping calico the village priest taught him to read and write and apart from this his only school was the alley the curriculum of the alley is hunger tears and pain but somehow in that alley he found time to play and learned that with play came laughter thenceforth life to shorty harris was just one long play day in eighteen seventy six he started west and crawled out of a box car in dodge city kansas above were stacks of buffalo hides bellowing cattle chippies gamblers cowhands and a chance for youngsters who had come out of alleys among those i remember at dodge city were my friends wyatt earp and a thin fellow with a cough if he liked you he'd go to hell for you it was doc holliday the coldest killer in the west I had a job in a livery stable. Job was all right, but too much gunplay. Cowboy shooting up the town. Gambler shooting cowboys. Flushed with his paycheck, Shorty wandered into a saloon and met one of the percentage girls, a lovely creature, not altogether bad. They danced, and Shorty suggested a stroll in the moonlight, and soon Shorty was in love. Shorty, she asked, why be a sucker? Why don't you go to Leadville? You might find a good claim i'm broke he told her 
i've got money she said and reached into her purse i'm no mac he snapped finally she thrust the bills into his pocket at leadville he went up a gulch luck was kind he found a good claim and going into leadville sold it for fifteen thousand dollars later it produced millions within a week he was penniless why all i've got to do is to go up another gulch he told sympathetic friends on this trip his feet were frozen and he was carried out on the back of his partner taken to the hospital the surgeon told him that only the amputation of both feet would save his life telling a group of friends about it in the ballarat cabin later shorty of course had to add a few details of his own dan driscoll came to see me and i told him what the sawbones said why hell dan says won't be nothing left of you you've got to get out of here when that nurse goes i'll take you to a doc who'll save them feet and the first thing i knew i was in the other hospital the doc whetted his meat cleaver picked up a saw and was about to go to work when he found there was nothing to dope me with i'll fix it doc says and wham he slapped me stiff i don't know what he did but when i came to i was as good as new after selling a second claim to haw tauber shorty was again in the money and remembered the girl in dodge city returning he looked her up took her to dinner they danced and dined and shorty toasted her in bubble water i reckon everybody in dodge city thought a caliph had come to town no little girl suffered for new toggery no bum lacked a tip in a week i was broke again going down to the freight yard to steal a ride on the rods i met the girl and the next i knew i was begging her to marry me shorty you don't know anything about my past and still you want to marry me you don't know anything about my past either i said but it was no go years afterward when shorty and i were camped in hall canyon i asked him if he would actually have married a girl like her who am i to count slips he bristled i did ask her and he swabbed a tear that had dried fifty years ago in eighteen ninety eight after working for a grub stake he started on the trip that led at last to death valley by way of the san juan country one of the world's roughest regions i walked through arizona to northern mexico every mile of it desert a labor strike in colonel green's mines threw me out of a job and i started back ran out of water and lived five days on the juice of a bulbous plant la flora morada each bulb has a few drops on the mojave i ran out of water again finally saw a mangy old camel drinking at a pool i had enough sense left to know there were no camels around and went on till i flopped a fellow picked me up i told him i'd been so goofy i'd seen a camel in water but i knew it was just a mirage you damned fool he said it was a camel and you saw water high jolly turned that camel loose shorty reached tintic utah and from there walked over a waterless desert to the johnny mine where he was given shelter food and clothing bishop cannon of the mormon church sent him into the panamint to monument a gold claim i was the only fool they could find across death valley in midsummer i found the claim but it proved to be patented land shorty was recuperating from his last operation at my home when he came into the house one morning with fire in his eyes and a paper in his hand read that and let's get going it has been erroneously stated that shorty couldn't read though he had little schooling and a cataract impaired his sight he could read to the end the paper announced a strike in tuba canyon near ballarat why i know a place nobody ever saw but me and a few eagles his losses increased from a thousand to a million dollars a day because he wasn't on the job and in may we started for ballarat by the longer route through death valley 
when we reached jim dayton's grave he asked me to stop and getting out of the car he walked into the brush returning with a few yellow and blue wild flowers laid them on dayton's grave god bless you old fella you'll have to move over soon and make room for me then turning to me he said when i die bury me beside old jim raising his hand and moving his finger as if he were writing the words he added above me write here lies shorty harris a single blanket jackass prospector it was his way of saying he had played his game not by riding over the desert with a deluxe camping outfit but the hard way with beans and a single blanket he was also saying i think good-bye to the death valley that he loved its golden dunes its creeping canyons and pots of gold about one o'clock in the morning sunday november eleventh nineteen thirty four the phone awakened me at the other end of the line was charles brown shorty harris lay dead at big pine he just went to sleep and didn't wake up charlie said shorty had died saturday morning november ten and charlie had arranged for the remains to be brought down into death valley and buried beside james dayton sunday afternoon out of los angeles out of towns and settlements canyons and hills came the largest crowd that had ever assembled in death valley to wait at furnace creek ranch for the hearse that would come nearly two hundred miles over the mountains from big pine it was delayed at every village and by borough men along the road who wanted a last look upon the face of shorty at one o'clock the caravan arrived and then began the procession down the valley the sun was setting and the shadows of the panamint lay halfway across the valley when the grave was reached brown had sent ernest hun from shoshone the night previous a distance of about sixty miles to dig the grave on the desert a man dies and gets his measure of earth often with not so much as a tarpaulin with this in mind ernie had made the hole to fit the man but with the coffin it was a foot too short while waiting for the grave to be lengthened the casket was opened and in the fading twilight shorty's friends passed in file about the casket while the indians silhouetted against the brush paid silent tribute to him whom their fathers and now their children knew as short man so began the first funeral ever held in the bottom of death valley drama packed into a few moments of a dying day no discordant ballyhoo no persiflage the lord is my shepherd i shall not want a bugler stepped beside the grave and silvered notes of taps went over the valley the casket was lowered into the grave as the stars came out and he was covered with the earth he loved thoughtful women placed wreaths of atoll and desert holly and with his face toward his desert stars shorty harris holed in forever going back to shoshone with the browns i told charlie of the time i had stopped at jim dayton's grave with shorty i made up my mind then that i would do something about his last wish there's no liar like a tombstone but shorty deserves a marker well i'll join you charlie said charlie consulted park officials and they approved chosen to write the epitaph i knew from the moment the task was assigned to me what it would be in order to get the reaction of others to the use of the word jackass on the monument i decided to try it out on the browns this epitaph i said might be unconventional but unless i am mistaken it will be quoted around the world i read it it's all right mrs brown laughed charlie approved the epitaph as predicted has been quoted and pictures of the plaque published around the world 
it has been stated that the pacific coast borax company paid for the monument actually it was provided by the park service i had the bronze tablet made in pomona california and charlie brown insisted that he pay for it shorty left a little money he said whatever is lacking i will pay myself on march fourteenth nineteen thirty six the monument was dedicated streamers of dust rolled along every road that led into the big sink trailing cars that were bringing friends from all walks of life to pay tribute to shorty at the grave the rich and the famous stood beside the tottering prospector the husky miner the silent stoic indian brown was master of ceremonies telegrams were read from john hayes hammond and other distinguished friends old-timers whose memory spanned thirty years one after another wedged through the crowd to tell funny stories that shorty had told or some homely incident of his career one was revealing we had the no countess low downess hooch drinkin loafer on the desert at ballarat we called him tarfinger he came over to shorty's cabin one day and said he was hungry shorty loaned him five dollars when i heard about it i went over i said you know he's a no-good loafing thief i figured i was doing shorty a favor instead he blew up well he can get as hungry as an honest man can't he they understood what o henry meant when he sang test the man if his heart be in accord with the ultimate plan that he be not to his marring always and utterly man the epitaph shorty harris wanted seemed fitting above me write here lies shorty harris a single blanket jackass prospector as i turned away i thought of the monuments erected to dead caesars who had left trails of blood and ruin shorty harris simply followed a jackass into far horizons and by leaving a smile at every water-hole a pleasant memory on every trail attained a fame which will last as long as the annals of death valley End of chapter seventeen